The message series that we are presently in is from the book of Jude, and we've titled it, A Faith Worth the Struggle. And that's what this, the, the book of Jude is about. That letter is very specific about contending for faith, the defense of one's faith. And so we are now three weeks into this, and I trust it's, it's being a blessing and will continue to be a blessing you know, for you as we study this wonderful letter together. Since the year 2000, Survivor, Survivor has been a staple on CBS television. Are you ready for this? Since the year 2000. And including the current lineup, there are 39 seasons of 16 or so competitors, all attempting to survive, or as they would say, outwit, outplay, and outlast one another, all for a $1 million prize. You know, I've often thought about it when, you know, I was a little bit younger than I am today. You know, could I do it? Could I have survived? And I thought, you know, maybe I did that or this. I would have loved to have had the chance. Well, it's never going to happen in my case at this point. Not going to do it. But the interesting part about that game, it, it, first of all, it's a game. But the competitors, they have to strategize in order to outwit, outplay, and outlast the other competitors. So that strategy includes a lot of different things. It includes about forming alliances. Uh, it, it, they have to win competitions to get immunity. They have to search for immunity idols. There's all kinds of things connected to the game. They even lie and, well, or extremely exaggerate, however you want to call it. But it's all around a strategy in order to win the game. Now, if you fast forward into real life, you know, I never, I never gave much thought to having to strategize to go shopping. Now, I have to pick my store, I have to pick my time, and then have a very detailed list of necessities that I'm attempting to locate. I never, and, and honestly, some of us are dealing with this. The lines at Costco. I, it is unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Let me, let me show you some things. So I have a bag of tricks right here that I'm going to open up and show you some things because some of this, we're strategizing to find things like this. There it is. There it is. Who would have thought this would have been the commodity? Well, what about something like, uh, let me open up another bag here. Let's see what else I got in here. Oh, what about this one? A little bit of hand sanitizer, or in this particular case, a lot of hand sanitizer. Well, what about something like... This, water bottles, water bottles. Now, I was in the store yesterday, and this seems like we got plenty of this, but I'm kind of curious. Don't we all still have faucets at home that work? I, I thought we did. Anyway, water bottles, that was a commodity. Uh, then we've got uh, disinfectant spray. Now, this is kind of a professional side, but that was empty yesterday as I went by the grocery store. It, there was none of this. And then, uh, how about... Paper towels. There's no paper towels out there. And then one last thing, uh, these sanitary wipes. Those are also hot commodities. And in each of those cases, here's what's happening. People are having to strategize to find this. They have to figure out the time to go. And can I just stop for a second? I love the fact that so many of our stores are are allowing those who are 65 and older to go at certain particular times. They're setting aside times. Way to go. Way to go. Stores that are doing it, we need to give them a big shout out. So if you're 65 and over, or even if you're not, and you're at the store, tell them thanks for doing that. 
that is a really wonderful, wonderful gesture. Now, you might be saying right now, Gary, what does this have to do with, uh, with survive, this survival thing and the strategy in regards to, the, to what we're facing in our message or what we're going to study today in our message? Well, as I said, Jude is assisting the, his readers with how to navigate the struggle of faith. What do you do? How do you defend it? How do you contend for the faith? He's talked about a lot of things so far. He's talking about the characteristics of the false teachers and some of their, where it would lead in far, as far as their false doctrine. Uh, he has talked about that we're called of God, we're, we're servants. There's some wonderful things that he's saying, but now today, in, the, in these verses that we're going to study, he really gives us some strategies on how, on how we contend for our faith, kind of on a personal basis. So I want us to look together at Jude verse 17 through verse 23. So if you would look at it with me, uh, also follow along on your Bible app. Uh, all of the notes are there, so that'll be a great resource for you. But Jude 17, beginning of verse 17 through verse 23. Jude writes, But dear friends... Remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ foretold. They said to you in the last times, there will be scoffers who will follow their own ungodly desires. These are the people who divide you, who follow mere natural instincts and do not have the Spirit. But you, dear friends, by building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. Be merciful to those who doubt. Save others by snatching them from the fire. To others show mercy mixed with fear, hating even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. And what I'd like to do today is pull three words out of our text that really, the way I'm seeing it is that it provides for us a strategic approach as we face the challenges of faith. The first word is remember. Remember. Jude says, but you, my dear friends, must remember. Remember. The first strategy is what Jude stresses is the importance of remembrance, of remembering what the apostles taught regarding false teachers and false teachings. He does this again in how you contend for the faith, how you defend the faith. Listen to what Paul said in 2 Timothy. He said, you should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be difficult times. Uh, people will act religious. Uh, they will neglect the power that could make them godly. Stay away from people like that, for a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They'll follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They'll reject the truth and chase after myths. Peter said this. He says, above all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. What Paul and Peter do is they just, they reinforce, or rather, Jude points back to their writing and said, here it is. The apostles said this stuff. This shouldn't come as a surprise. It establishes their authority, and it also says how passionate Jude is about connecting this to all of the, the apostles' teaching. And what I want us to do, now that's kind of the general idea or context here, that we need to remember what the apostles have taught. But I want to expand a couple of points for you today. The first, just this thought, remembering the right things from the past 
empowers the present and secures the future. Remembering the right things from the past empowers the present and secures the future. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. We're encouraged on a regular basis in Scripture to, to two seemingly contradictory concepts. One is forgetting what is behind. Okay? And then, and then we're to remember the past. You say, well, wait a minute. That is it. Those are like mutually exclusive things. They really aren't. There's, there's something very powerful here. So you look through Scripture, you find out that Israel was reminded often, or rather was, in, was encouraged to be reminded or to remember all that God had done on their behalf. And then we as the people of God, we are called to forget. We're called to forget the past and to press on. The key really is to remember the right things. I want to remember the things that God has done for me. It gives me great encouragement for the days that are right now and also for the future. But also, I'm challenged to forget the things that become very debilitating to me, that lead me down pathways that I don't need to go. I need to continue to remember that I am forgiven, that God has done something great in my life as He has in yours also. You know, when it comes to God, I've said this a few times, but it is important to keep this in mind today. When it comes to God, past performance, past performance is a guarantee of future results. What God has done in the past, He will do today and He will continue to do. You see, remembering the right things, remembering the right things from the past empowers the present and it secures the future. So important. I need this today. I need to know that what God has done, He is continuing, He's able to do now. And you see, the, the apostles tell us, the scriptures tell us, Jesus tells us the, the, incredible, the incredible opportunities that we have to, to learn from the past, but live in the present and look to the future all because of what He has done in us. God will see us through these present circumstances. As I remember all that God has done, and as I also realize that He will sustain me at this particular moment. Here's a passage of Scripture Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 4, 4 verse 16. says, so we're not giving up. How could we? Even though on the outside, it often looks like things are falling apart on us. On the inside, where God is making new life, not a day goes by without His unfolding grace. These hard times, I love how Eugene Peterson says it, these hard times are small potatoes compared to the coming good times, the lavish celebration prepared for us. There's far more here than meets the eye. The, thing, the things that we see now are here today, gone tomorrow, but the things we can't see now will last forever. Will last forever. One more thought. Did you notice that Jude references that the apostles said in the last times? In the last times. There'll be, there'll, there'll be scoffers. So the apostles have said that. They referenced that. That's what we read a few moments ago from Paul's writings and from Peter's writings. It's really significant. A few days ago, I was watching Dr. J David Jeremiah from uh, Shadow Mountain in San Diego, and he was answering a question that someone had written him. He said, this, this is the question, loose paraphrase. He said, is the COVID-19 COVID virus Bible prophecy? And I thought, man, that's, that's a great question. And I got to thinking, is it? 
And I, you might be thinking the same thing. Is it? Does that? Is that what we're in the midst of at this moment? Listen to what Jesus said. Mark chapter 13. Jesus replied, don't let anyone mislead you. For many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah. They'll deceive many. You'll hear of wars and threats of wars, but don't panic. Yes, these things must take place, but the end won't follow immediately. Nation will go to war against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in many parts of the world, as well as famines. But this is only the first of birth pains with more to come. Well, Jesus doesn't reference a pandemic like we're in, what we're experiencing today. The things, the things that he does mention, the things that he does mention are, as Jesus says, these are the beginning. These are only the first of birth pains, including what we're experiencing right now with the COVID-19. These are wake-up calls. These are to remind us that the end of days will come. It will come. And we, Jesus would say later on in Mark 13, he would say, be aware, be watchful. Be reminded that these things, yes, they're, they're difficult. They're, they're challenging. There's no way around that. But these are just the beginning. There will come a day when everything that we have will conclude. And so I look back at what Jude has said. And the first strategy for us in the defense of our faith, the struggle of our faith, is to remember what God has done. That God has been faithful. God will be faithful. God will encourage us. God will strengthen us. God will be with us in everything that we face. He will give us what we need when we need it in order to, to, to combat, as it were, the challenges to our faith. And, and it's important for us in a very practical way to remember the right things. When we do that, we have a strategy to face today and the future. The second word I want to pull out of this is the word build. Build. Now, I have made it very clear, I am not a handy guy. That is not my, that is not my gift set at all. But I do enjoy watching like Boise Boys on HGTV. I enjoy the DIY network where I love watching people remodel stuff. I love watching them build things. It is really, it's just fun. I love to see the sense of accomplishment. Uh, that the, the beginning of maybe even an empty lot to the point of now here is a, here is a house that's been built. I, I love that. I think it's just amazing. And you see, there's something very significant about what Jude is saying when he says about build. We're to build ourselves up. Build ourselves up. And it is clear... <clears throat> that the faith that's been entrusted to us is worth the struggle. And as time goes forward, it's important that we would build ourselves in this process so that we can understand the times that we're facing, just like we, we need to remember this. The, the apostle said it, these times would come. There's going to be difficult times. Yeah, we get that. There's going to be people that are going to war against it. But what do we do? The second strategy here is to build ourselves. And so we do it in three ways. We build our faith. That's the first thing we do is build our faith. The faith that Jude references is what we believe. What we believe. The doctrinal and ethical core of Christian identity. That's what it is. So I would just ask the question, how are we doing with that? How are we doing with building our faith? I, admit the, I think I made this statement last week. Knowing the truth equips you to recognize the false. And when Jude is talking about this, 
this false teaching and false teachers. He's very clear. People are going to scoff about the, the times coming to an end. They're going to scoff about all this, all of the things that are around us concerning faith. And we have got to be individuals who understand what is true and what is false. And the only way that we can do that is to build ourselves. And we do so by building our faith. We cannot combat the false without knowing and growing what's true. I read an article from one of our denominational leaders this past week. I thought it was really, really good. He encouraged us that in these times of sheltering and staying at home, grow your faith. Grow your faith. Let this be a time of spiritual rest and renewal. We're all, we're all kind of confined in ways that we have, for most of us, have probably never experienced before. What an opportunity to grow your faith in the midst of this. It will, it will help you just on a personal level as well as to defend the faith. No question. But build, build your faith. Take a Sabbath. Figure out a way to, to let God infuse you with divine strength and power. Jesus made this great, these great verses from Matthew 7. These words, I speak to you, are not identical, or excuse me, are not incidental additions to your life. Homeowner improvements to your standard of living. They are foundational words. Words to build a life on. If you work these words into your life, you're like a smart carpenter who built his house on a solid rock. Rain poured down, the river flooded, a tornado hit, but nothing moved that house. It was fixed on the rock. Build your faith. Build your faith. Second thing is that it deals with our prayer life. We need to build our prayer life. Jude says it very specifically, pray in the Holy Spirit. This is guided and directed prayer by the Spirit of God. It also includes, as, as you and I are a Crossroads Church, we are a, a Pentecostal church, so we believe that we can pray in the Spirit. We can pray in a language that God has given to us, and we can pray when we do that. We're praying the perfect will of God. I want to encourage you to do that. Pray in the Spirit. Pray in the Holy Spirit. But build your life of prayer. Grow your life of prayer. Let these times of sheltering be times when you're spending more time with God in prayer. Conversing with Him. Listening to Him. Be that person of prayer that I know you desire to be. But pray. Vocalize your prayer. Let the Holy Spirit guide and direct your prayer. Romans chapter 8 says, And the Holy Spirit helps us in our distress. For we don't even know what we should pray for, nor how we should pray. But the Holy Spirit prays, prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all our, all our hearts, knows all hearts, knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. And let me just again remind you, next Saturday, we're going to have a prayer time at 714. Join us. The third thing that Jude speaks about, about building is to, in God's love. And I love this. We, we know, we know God loves us. Scripture is very clear how much God loves us. And it is, it's really interesting. Just a few weeks, a couple weeks ago, we were in the first part of this series. We read this phrase that we are kept, we are kept by Jesus Christ. But in this portion of Scripture, we read that we are to keep ourselves. That's really interesting. You see, this is a both-and proposition. There is, a, there is the love of God that keeps us, but then there's the love of God where we are, 
to be kept in Christ. Something that we have an obligation. It's a, it's a joyful obligation to remain, to remain in the love of Jesus. John 15 says, I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. Look at this. When you obey my command, commandments, you remain in my love. Just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in His love. You see, this first is, a, is an obedient response to all that Jesus has done, taught, and modeled, and asked of us. To be, to, to be kept in the love of God, to be kept in the love of Christ, it's an obedient response to Jesus. The second, it's an exercise of godly patience. That's, that's also a part of this. You see, because Jude would say it this way, as we wait, as we wait for the mercy of the Lord Jesus to bring you into eternal life. So there's a patience here. You see, we're to be kept in the love of God. We're to build this side of our lives by remaining and being patient. Because one day, all that we have and all that we know is going to come to a completion and we're going to have an opportunity to be with Christ for eternity. We're to wait for that day with anticipation, remaining in the love of God. Remaining with, in love with Jesus will be reflected in a lifestyle of godly behavior. And that behavior will endure. We're to be patient until the coming of the Lord. 2 Peter chapter 3 says it this way, Since everything around us is going to melt away, what holy, godly lives should you be living? You should look forward to that day and hurry it along, the day when God will set the heavens on fire. Wow, that's crazy. We're looking forward to that. But look, and the elements will melt, but we're looking forward to the new heavens and the new earth that He has promised, a world where everything is right with God. And so, dear friends, while you're waiting for these things to happen, make every effort to live pure and blameless lives and at peace with God. Our faith is worth the struggle. It's worth the struggle. And a strategy, a strategy to defend it is to build ourselves. Build our faith in prayer, understanding that obedience to Christ is really being kept. We keep ourselves in the love of God. We do so with patience. And I think as we do this, it just, we just echo the words of Paul in Ephesians chapter 5. And just this last phrase of that, it says, making the most, or make the most of every opportunity you have for doing good. Make the most of every opportunity. So building yourselves up in your faith, in prayer, and being kept by the love of God is something so incredibly valued at this moment in history. The third word I pull from the text is mercy. Is mercy. The third strategy that Jude references, he just says, be merciful. What a wonderful word. The word mercy here means compassion to one in need or helpless distress. Uh, and there are three groups of people that Jude references here. The first there's the, is the wavering. He says, be merciful to those who doubt. I don't think any of us uh, well, let me, let me back up. You see that the, the direct, the specific group of people that Jude is addressing are individuals who have been hearing this false teaching. And they're wavering. They're on the brink. They're not sure whether they're going to go that direction or not, but they're wavering. They're doubting their own faith. They're struggling. Now, if I take this just a little wider, I, I, I'm pretty confident right now there's some people that are wavering. 
They're doubting their faith. They could even be saying something like this. How could God allow this to happen that we're experiencing? Because there are some very real issues that we're dealing with. The insecurity of our of our futures, our, our jobs, our schools. I mean, schools are shut down. Universities are probably not going to open. They're doing distance learning. And just go, I mean, the airlines are, there is so much uncertainty. There's so many things. We might be just saying, God, what are, you, what are you doing? There's probably some doubt going on. But those of us who are people of faith, hear this carefully, hear me carefully. We're to show mercy. We're to have compassion for those who are helpless and in distress. That's what Jude is saying. That strategy, as, as we contend for our faith, as we walk through life, and there are challenges in our faith every day, but there are just challenges, generally speaking, as people of faith, we're going to face. We're to be merciful to those who are wavering. The second group are those who are falling. Falling. Jude says it this way. You snatch others, or save others by snatching them from the fire. These are those individuals who have embraced the false teaching. So what, you're, what we're doing is, we're literally, they're, they're, in, they're involved in something, we're grabbing them and pulling them out. I don't know if you've ever been saved in that regard. I remember I was about 10 or so, maybe a little older. I, I, don't, I was never a really good swimmer, and I was really a bad swimmer at this moment because I was in a pool and I was struggling. And I couldn't get, I could not get back to the side of the pool. My mom, somehow, in her five foot frame, she was a little, she's a little gal, in her five foot reached out and grabbed me and pulled me to the side. I don't know how she did it, frankly. I guess I wasn't as far as it appeared, but she saved me by grabbing, snatching me from the place of peril. You, you see, what a, this is a responsibility that we have. That, that, the third group of people are the fallen, the fallen. These are the individuals who have fully embraced. It's not just, they're not doubting. They're not kind of in it, but now they're totally in it. In fact, it could even be that we have, a, we have an obligation to extend mercy to those who are even teaching or peddling a false gospel. And this is really encouraging to me. You say, Gary, how can this be encouraging? Well, I mean, there's, I look at extending mercy. I want to be merciful, yes. But here's what I want you to walk away with. There's no person, there's no person so irredeemably bad that God's forgiveness cannot redeem them. Man, I'm grateful for that. You see, even a false teacher, we can reach out to them. Someone who's just completely overwhelmed by the falsehoods that they have embraced. We can reach out to them and show mercy. But we do so in this particular category. The Scripture is very clear. It's mixed with fear. You see, when we remember the right things, when we're building ourselves up, we're being fortified and sustained by what God has done in us. So now when we approach someone who is just overwhelmed with false teaching, we're to be careful with this. Because we, if we're not strong, it's difficult for us, even though showing mercy, to maybe get, get trapped ourselves. We have to avoid that. We have to be wary of that. We have to be careful. And that's what Jude is reminding us to do. Listen to what James, Jude's brother, writes, which I love. He says, dear friends, 
If you know people who've wandered off of God's truth, don't write them off. Praise God. Go after them. Get them back. And you'll have rescued precious lives from destruction and prevented an epidemic of wandering away from God. I can't think of anything more precious to do than this. To extend mercy to those who are doubting, to those who are falling, and to those who have fallen. I wonder, do you know someone today in need of mercy? Maybe your next door neighbor just is wavering. Maybe they, and I'm not even right now, I'm not even talking about maybe into a doctrinal place where there's just conflict there. I'm not talking about that right now. Let me just, again, go a little wider with this. I don't want to do damage to the text, but let's just go a little wider. Does your neighbor need mercy? They're wavering, they're doubting. Can I add another word to it? They're fearful. How about another one? Insecure, anxious, and you need a mercy. You see, back to what James just said a moment ago. Look at this. It, pursue, this I love, I love, he says, rescue precious lives. Rescue precious lives. That's what we're doing when we're extending mercy. I believe there are some who are helpless. And then I would just remind you too that we as a church are here to assist in these moments where mercy can be extended. Just one, just one thing, we can always pray, and I'll give you the opportunity for that in a moment, of how to connect with us in prayer. But remember, if there are some physical needs you need that, that you have, or your neighbors have, Circle of Care is always available. In fact, this coming week, Circle of Care is expanding to four days. Going to be serving our community Monday through Thursday at 1130. If you have needs, if your neighbors do, this is a way that you can show mercy. When they're in their distress, you can show compassion. I love what Jesus said in Matthew 5. God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. So these three words, once again, they're really important words. Remember, build, and mercy. These are ways that we, in the struggle of our faith, we can contend, we can defend it. But there are also ways that we can, in the midst of the present challenges, do I dare call it a crisis? I don't know. I'll let you decide whether it is or not. But in the midst of these moments, remember the right things. There's something very special about remembering the right things from the past because it, it does something significant in our present and it secures our future. Build yourselves. Build yourselves. Let these moments be times when you can be built into what God wants to make us all. And then I would say, extend mercy. Extend mercy. So as we bring our moments to a close this morning, I want to revisit a phrase I used a minute ago. It says, there's no person so irredeemably bad that God's forgiveness cannot redeem them. Maybe you felt that way. That your life is just, God doesn't really care about me and I've really done so many things that, what's the point? No, you're not out of you're, you're not out of sight or out of mind of God nor is there anything that is unredeemable I'm grateful for that none of us deserve the grace of God but that's what grace is it's undeserved favor and he extends that to you and to, to us so today if you're feeling in that place I just I don't know what to do with my life. I, 
What, what, what should I do, Gary? Well, let me, let me just say it this way to you. Come to Christ. Choose Christ. His grace is available to you. And you are redeemable. As I was redeemable. There's no one that isn't because of God and for His grace. So I want to pray with you today. And if you don't know Jesus, let me encourage you to pray this prayer with me. And we want to journey this with you. We believe that God has something great for you. And then for all of us as a church family, remember the right things. Build yourselves up and show mercy. God is going to use us greatly. So pray with me if you would. Jesus, thank you for our time together this morning. And I pray that there will be some encouragement from your word. You'll help us to stand strong in our faith, to contend for our faith. Help us to remember the right things. Help us to build ourselves up in our faith and our prayer and the hope that we have in Christ through obedience and being kept in Christ. And then I pray, Lord, that we'd show mercy to those who are in need of compassion and are helpless today and in distress. Thank you, Lord. And I pray this morning for those who may be hearing me and saying, I'm choosing Christ today. So Lord, we just, based upon that, based upon what your word declares, we just, we, we just declare this together. That if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, Jesus your Lord, and we believe in our heart that you're alive, we will be saved. We do that today. Forgive us of our sin. Lord, take our lives. We, we surrender our lives to you. Use us. We thank you that your grace is more than enough for us, for me. And Lord, we commit our lives to you today with gratitude in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer today, let me encourage you to do something. Text us at area code 951 331 5167. And you can also use that same, that same text to text in a prayer request. We're here to pray with you and believing for God's best in your life. Have a wonderful, wonderful week. God bless you. We'll see you on Tuesday at Newsday Tuesday. Blessings to you.